Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Welcome back and welcome into 2019. Thanks again to all of you listeners who have made Paradigm Shift a successful podcast in its first year. Today, we are continuing our conversation with David Sussler about planning for a successful 2019. David Sussler is a practicing attorney and he is Associate General Counsel at National Material LP. David is also a frequent writer and speaker on various issues involving the business of law, and he and I are co-columnists of the Chicago Lawyer column Inside Out, which compares and contrasts private practice and in-house counsel perspectives on current issues and trends impacting both the legal and business landscape. In addition to being my partner in crime on the writing front for nearly nine years, David also happens to be my husband. Welcome back to the show, David. Thanks for having me back. So in our last episode, we talked about the highlights of 2018 and, you know, it was the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as some lessons learned. And we also teed up the discussion to start talking about goal setting. How do you go about, David, in your planning for the year, or maybe even like you're planning on a day-to-day basis? How do you go about developing a list of goals? You told us in the last episode that you don't necessarily commit them to writing, but that you do actually talk to people. Um, it's a great way to hold them, to hold yourself accountable, that you do sort of socialize them. And I think you try to get people's input. Um, and also you look for a form of accountability in the process of doing that. So how do you go about figuring out whether it's a, committed to writing or not, what is important enough to you to be considered a goal and what is your framework beyond talking to people for fleshing them out and setting yourself up for success? You know, that's a great question. And every time I'm asked that question or a similar question about goal setting, I, my, my initial thought is, well, I don't make goals, but I don't write them down, but that's it, not really true. I do. I just, I don't necessarily have a lot of formality or, or rigor around it. I don't think it's, it's a process for me. And I'm always thinking, um, you know, what do I have to do? And some days I'm stuck in the trenches, so I don't think about it. Other times, maybe if I'm traveling or I have a little downtime or, you know, took a few days off over the holidays, I can start thinking about it. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's involved with talking to people. And I think over the last couple of years, I've, I have become more intentional about thinking about goals because of uh, two years ago, we hired a new HRVP and he brought in a new performance evaluation uh, program for the company, which includes goal setting. So we started talking about it like a year and a half ago. You know, and I, of course, approach him, I don't make goals. Um, <laughs> But then I talk about it with him and I realize, yes, I do. I just don't think about it in, in, in that term. So, you know, for example, for this year, uh, it really, the, the goal setting process for me, I think, started after my trial was over. You know, the trial was most of September. And that was really, I think, your goal for the year up until <laughs> that point was to 
prepare for the trial and do the best as you and, and to do the best job you could on the trial. Right. And so over the last several weeks then I've begun to think about well what didn't I accomplish in 2018 or what didn't I do that I often do because I was so one track focused on the trial what can I do in 2019 and you know a lot of that professionally is around visiting our factories you know we have factories we have over 25 factories in the US and and two in Mexico and to go there for many reasons one important reason is simply to to have face time with with the clients that I work with is that's important for establishing connections and keeping the workflow going on a pot in a positive direction mm-hmm. um, it's educational to visit the factories for me personally it's a lot of fun but mostly it's important for the business on many levels i will go and work on specific um legal work i also do training different types of training and i enjoy that it's fun and it makes a difference and we have over the last couple of years we have a lot of new people at all different levels of management at many of our companies and, and it's important for me to get there so like that's a concrete example of a goal and why, you know, how I started thinking about how I got to that, visiting the companies, doing more training. I didn't do much training in 2018. I want to do more in 2019. It's important for the company. Some of it's legally required, and I just enjoy it. So how do you set yourself up for success? I mean, I know that you said that, like one example is that you said that you talk to people you know, to try to sort of work through your goals and to get their feedback on them. And also because it's a form of accountability by telling them and speaking what your goals are, um, they are aware of them. There's a sort of, I, I'd say, an affirmation in the process that you do for yourself when you actually verbalize them. Are there any other things that you do to set yourself up for success? Yeah. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, I spent, I, I tried to spend more time this past year uh, working on my listening skills. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as lawyers, especially, we're, we tend to speak a lot more than we tend to listen mm-hmm. because we want to argue and state our goals and our point and get it across the finish line. And I've learned, especially from observing um, uh, two specific people, our HRVP and, and my boss, observing more closely how they accomplish things. So that's been a goal of mine to improve my listening as a way to set myself up for success. Um, especially, I think in the in-house world, you know, lawyers... Uh, was I always say one of the big differences between law firms and, and in-house is, you know, in law firms, the lawyers rule the roost, not true in-house. Mm-hmm. It's the, the, the business leaders, the business managers and the sales team. So in wor- working out in my own mind ways to get my point across that, you know, look, this is how we need to do something, or these are the types of things. Really been working on processes and procedures. I want to improve processes and procedures in, in a lot of ways and bring more rigor, for example, to certain to the legal aspects of 
sales mm -hmm. processes, for example. So I've been focusing on setting myself up for success by listening more to what the business folks say and what they need, and then I can tailor my message into their actual needs in a better way, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So, you know, just from my perspective, as, as you said, some of your goals, as are some of my goals, are a carryover from prior years. Um, I think it's really important, though, to also have new goals. Um, and I think that if you find that you still carry over and have carried over for a number of years the same goals, I really think that's a signal to you that you need to rethink what those goals are and why it is that from one year to the next, you haven't been able to accomplish the goal. Um, I think that it's either you're not defining it in a way that it's achievable or you're not fully committed to the goal. Um, I think there are maybe a whole host of reasons why that carryover goal does not get accomplished, but I think you need to think about that. And I also think it's really important to make sure that you don't have too many goals. I think it's important to have at least five goals for a year. Um, some people say five to seven, especially when you take the um, perspective that the goals that you are setting for yourself actually put you in, a, in, in an uncomfortable zone or a zone of discomfort because you're really pushing yourself. Um, I, I think that, you know, that makes sense. Um, but I, I thought I wanted to share that too. And I also think it's really important from an accountability perspective to be sure to write out your goals. You speak them to other people. I think that there's a value in also writing them out and framing them in a way that again, that you get enough detail in them that they're actually, there's a bit of a roadmap from the beginning about how to get there. And I also think um, framing them as goals rather than what some people call New Year's resolutions, for example. I think that there is a, with, with some people, there's a stigma against the wording New Year's resolutions that it's this pie in the sky thing that's not achievable or attainable. Um, and, and so, you know, I, that's sort of my mentality on that. And then also making sure that it's not just writing down the goals, but you also have to set a roadmap for how you're going to get there. And you need to see every day as an opportunity to not necessarily make headway or progress on every single goal, but you need to make progress every day in some way with at least one of your goals and to sort of see every day from that lens. Um, we've already talked about accountability, um, whether it's speaking it to somebody, having a buddy, whether it's writing it down and, you know, sort of creating this mental image of it every day in your mind as something that you need to do. Um, I, I think that that whatever it takes for you to hold yourself accountable is what you need to strive for. Um, I actually just started using this planner system called Michael Hyatt's Full Focus Planner. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that works because a lot of the things that I just mentioned He's into accountability. He's into writing things down. It has to be a daily practice. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out over the next quarter. It, it's, it's a system that you do in quarterly increments. And obviously there's a daily practice, but it's a new planner every three months. And it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. 
You know, I think you, I agree with everything you said. You made a couple of really good points um, that certainly resonate with me. One is, you know, I, I don't like the, the concept of making resolutions. Um, and again, I never really thought about making goals until the last couple of years, as I talked about. Um, but it is important to do that. And, and you do need to make new goals now. And there are some carryover goals. For example, one of the goals I made last year professionally to, to stretch and grow my capabilities was to learn union negotiations. We have a handful of union plants. I'd never done union negotiations before. So that's something that, you know, I talked to, to my general counsel about it early last year. He said, yeah, I think, I think that's a good idea, but we have to wait until the contracts come up for negotiation. Mm -hmm. So of course the first one that came up was when I was on trial in September and then another one came up in December. So we're now, I'm now involved in that contract negotiation. So that's a carryover, but it's deferred by time, you know, not of my, not of my doing. There's other goals that if, if you don't get them done, it may be that you're truly not not truly committed to them um you know you're an inveterate planner you you use planners and you write them down and you're very disciplined about it and you love it and i admire it and i've tried to do it um i wish i could do it and i last the last two years i started the beginning of the year with writing things down in in planners and notebooks and I, I just kind of lose steam on it. So I don't think I'm fully committed to it yet. Um, but it has helped me at least to start think more along those lines. And, you know, in terms of always growing and expanding, one of the, I, for me personally, one of the benefits of being a true generalist as a lawyer is the nature of my job is I am forced on a regular basis, daily or weekly, to do things I've never done before and get out of my comfort zone. And while I have a comfort zone of being outside my comfort zone, it's still scary to be out my, outside of my comfort zone. So I am constantly growing and stretching in that regard. And um, so those are always new goals. Like, well, they expose weaknesses and give me opportunities, uh, informed opportunities of where to grow. That's awesome. So switching gears, um, our time together is, is really flying by. Obviously, based on our discussion and what we all know to be true, goal setting is obviously a very important part of teeing yourself up for success, but it's certainly not the only component. Why don't we talk for a couple of minutes about the importance of our relationships with ourselves and with other people and how that contributes to our planning for success? You and I are both believers in trying to be as self-aware as we can be and, you know, trying to look for ways to improve ourselves in whatever ways speak to us the most. Um, you know, just by way of example, there's executive coaching, there's leadership training, skills development through organizations such as trade associations. Um, some people do it through workout routines, through meditation, um, as well as, you know, getting both formal and informal feedback from people in our orbit, for example, through 180 degree, you know, assessments from other people. So what are the, some of the things that you do to really try to make sure that you 
have as good of a relationship with yourself and with other people and that you're, you know, trying to be the best you can be. I talk to you and get coaching from you. <laughs> Very funny. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. You know, I, I think about, about those things too. It, to, to some extent, a lot of it is, you know, the personal and professional are, are intertwined for me. But you know, the first thing that comes to my mind uh, on the professional level is one, one of my specific goals for this year is to take the uh, Association of Corporate Counsel's mini-MBA program, which they've been doing for years. I've wanted, wanted to do it for years. I've heard it's a great program, and I know it tends to focus a little bit on accounting and financial document acumen in, in reading as well as strategy. Um, from a business person's perspective as opposed to just from a lawyer's perspective. So that's a goal of mine because I feel that that's an area that I, that I can always improve my skills in. So I plan to take that course this year. Okay. Well, and you've also, through the Association of Corporate Counsel, which you just mentioned, you've been intentional about putting yourself in various leadership positions. For example, you have been one of the leaders in the context of the diversity internship program. You were the chapter president for ACC a number of years ago. Do you want to speak for a minute about those experiences too? Sure. You know, I I was on a board of a not-for-profit organization for 30 years. I spent 15 years from right out of law school. I spent 15 years on the board of directors of a homeless services agency, and I was the president for the last four years. And then I moved from there to the ACC Chicago Chapters Board. And of course, I said, when I joined, I said, I don't want to be the president. But in terms of growing your skills and learning new leadership skills, I eventually did become an officer and the president. And the what you learn from that is really, you know, That'll take us another hour to talk about all the benefits that you don't expect. Um, but in terms of leadership skills and, and self-confidence to be a leader, what I got out of that was just tremendous. And then there's the, the ACC Chicago chapter has the Diversity Law Student Summer Internship Program, uh, which is kind of a, a diversity pipeline program for the in-house bar and getting law students not only some hands-on experience, but to start educating diverse law students about the possibility of an in-house career eventually. And it's a very intensive mentoring program. So that program's entering its 16th year this year, and um, I've been involved in it since it started. I've been on the committee that runs it now for 14 years. So, you know, what do I get out of it is is endless. I mean, you know, one of the greatest compliments of it is I've been to the the weddings of four and just got an invitation to a fifth mentee's wedding, both from ACC and then Posse Foundation. So to 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 be able to have an impact in a young person's life in a way that they find meaningful enough to be invited to their wedding, I just is such an honor and a compliment. And it means everything to me. Um, and then I mentioned Posse Foundation. Um, I've been an active volunteer on what, and what a member of what they call the leadership council in Posse Chicago for 10 years now. And I continue to do mentoring for that. So in, in analyzing, you know, I think about, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to continue doing this? And, you know, I realize, yeah, I, 
I really enjoy that opportunity because um, I learn and grow in ways I don't expect in interacting with really smart young people. Um, and, and I realized, yeah, I love doing this. It's an important part of my life, so I will keep doing it. And then, of course, I've, I've been off a formal board for a year now. So I've started thinking lately, well, do I want to join another board of directors? And, and, and I don't know, but I may, I've been loosely affiliated with legal prep charter high school since it started and been thinking, well, maybe I should explore being on the board. I have friends on the board and they love it. So, you know, uh, that's something I think about. Will I do it again? I don't know yet. It's a process. So it sounds like you've done a lot of growing and there's been a lot of personal and professional success you've experienced by virtue of sitting on nonprofit boards, um, being on, on your trade association board, being part of Posse. You've developed skills you otherwise wouldn't have developed. You've also contributed to the diversity of the bar. You've mentored and helped contribute to the next generation of talent. Um, and develop deep personal relationships with people. So, I mean, I would say that that is a very uh, successful, you know, that those are very successful things that you've done. And it looks like you're looking for ways to continue to do that. And I think that that's great. Yeah. You know, for me, just, you know, some examples of things that I've done, you know, really to sort of tee myself up for, making sure that I'm doing the best I can in terms of self-development um, as well as self-awareness is I've worked with executive coaches um, over the past 10 years. I've also, as part of that coaching and training, in, I've participated in activities such as one, uh, 180, to 180 reviews where I get feedback from others who are in my orbit, whether it's you know straight up lawyers that I've worked with or whether it's people who are admin, you know, administrative functions within my firm, as well as people in my life, getting feedback from them. Um, I also try to exercise. I have a mindfulness practice as well. Um, I look for leadership experiences, both within my firm, as well as outside of my firm. And so, you know, all of that, I think, you know, those are just a few of the ways that I've really tried to make sure that I continue to grow and, and develop um, in tandem with the goals that I set. I think that they feed off of each other. Our time is going really quickly here, and um, I would love to talk to you about, and I think this may end up being the last topic we're going to be able to cover, is just transitions. Uh, we we started our time together in the last episode talking about some life transitions that we experienced. You know, I switched firms after being at, at the first firm I started practicing at for many years. That's obviously an example of a career transition. We also had some life transitions where we had experienced the loss of friends and family last year. Um, why don't we focus these last few minutes on career transitions? We've already talked about the transition that I went through. You're very happy in your current role. Um, you just started your 13th year at your company, um, and you've had a great career over 30 years um, with a number of different roles within the law. When you actually made changes along the way, 
for, for those of our listeners out there who are thinking that change may be in the wind for them, um, and maybe that change will be in 2019, what were the signs to you that you needed to make a change? And how did you figure out ultimately what the best change was for you? So that's a great question. And, and um, I kind of laugh because I've certainly had a career. I have the a career today that I never envisioned when I was in law school or growing up. You know, I made up my mind when I was five or six years old, I was going to be a lawyer and I wanted to be a plaintiff's personal injury lawyer. So I started my career on the defense side of, of personal injury and, and really enjoyed it. But I always had that goal. I want to be a plaintiff's lawyer. And I had had a few cases against uh, one particular attorney who was a really outstanding plaintiff's lawyer, just a tremendous lawyer uh, with the utmost honesty and integrity. And one day in court, after we settled a case, I was about six years out of law school, and I stopped him in the hallway after we, we finalized the settlement. And I said to him, uh, you know, hey, Steve, I've always wanted to be a plaintiff's lawyer. If you're ever looking, let me know. I just took a leap of faith. And he called me two months later. And um, long story short, I went to work for him. A couple of years into that, I started to realize, you know what, I don't like this anymore. I was learning more about what it takes to be a plaintiff's PI lawyer in Chicago and realized this isn't what I want to do. So the transition, you know, that then took a, took a few years. I had a couple of other jobs along the way of figuring out what to do, but I didn't have a plan B after PI. So I had some friends who had gone in-house. You know, my response was, I don't know anything about the business world. I never studied it, never paid attention, but I have nothing to lose. So I took a real leap of faith and through networking was through my brother-in-law, your, your oldest brother. He introduced me to a young entrepreneurial business owner. We met and really clicked and he hired me to be his general counsel and human resources director. I transitioned my career. I really did a 180 in my career from a personal injury attorney to an in-house generalist. I left that company because I went out of business. So that transition was forced on me by the closure of a company. And I took the first job really that, that I, that I found, which was another in-house job um, at a small manufacturing company, but doing commercial litigation. And I, so yeah, I was burned out of litigation. I didn't really want to do it, but I learned a, a whole new skill set, and it, it really expanded my substantive abilities as a lawyer. But I knew long term this wasn't what I wanted to do. So eventually, why was it that you decided it wasn't what you wanted I, to do? I didn't want to be a first chair litigator. I was just I was so burned out on on litigation at the time. I just didn't want to be a courtroom trial lawyer anymore. And I tried several cases, um, solo and with outside counsel during the four and a half years I was at that company. But I had also had three, three and a half years as an, as an in-house generalist. And over those, those three years, I learned, I loved being a generalist. I love learning new things. That's where I first encountered the idea of, of a comfort zone of being outside my comfort zone and constantly learning and expanding my skill set. And I, and I realized I loved it. What I also learned at the second in-house company is I really like manufacturing. Um, 
So I started to be more intentional about what I wanted because at this time, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm about seven years into my in-house career and I realized I like being a generalist. I like manufacturing. I've had two jobs as a solo attorney. I want to work for a larger law department. So I did a very intentional search and then I saw a job posting for national material, which was, uh, you know, and ultimately I doubled the size of my department. Now I'm one of two, uh, but at least I have another lawyer. And it's a true generalist position in manufacturing in a much larger company than I had been with. And so I got the, I got the, I interviewed, I got the job and realized this really is what I want. But this was the most intentional search and transition I made. And I just, you know, how, how do you know then if you're successful, how do you know is this the right place for you? And I'm always rethinking, is this, is this the right place for me? Should I try something new? And, you know, even when we talk about it, I realize I'm happy there. And so I took vacation uh, this year from Christmas to till now. But I went in the office last Friday morning and I walked into the office and I, Got there about a little after seven in the morning. There's only a couple people there, but I look around and I realize I'm really happy being here. I'm really lucky to be here, and and it is it is a gift to be able to to know so with such certainty that I belong here. This is a this is kind of like home to me, and I feel good being in this building and being with these people with these people. So that's a way to reassure myself that I've made the right decision and I constantly make the right decision to stay. Well, that's great. And I think you made some really important points about, you know, what are the signs you need to make a change? Sometimes it's because of the environment you're in, meaning the types of skills that you are likely to continue to develop or, or the ones that you're unlikely to develop um, or a certain type of practice that you just realize that you're not going to be able to achieve that where you currently are. Sometimes it's needing to change the environment um, with respect to the people that you are working with. Sometimes that is a very close cousin to what I just said about the practice, because if you're surrounded by people who have the same practice, and this often happens in the context of like a, a private law firm, um, sometimes you do need to make a change to, to leave to experience different types of things. And as my friend Leo Batari has said in a prior um, set of interviews that he and I did a few months ago, um, you know, who you surround yourself with matters. And if you are looking for different types of experiences or a change that you don't think can be brought about by the people that you surround yourself with in your current setting – then you really need to think about changing your environment. And in terms of figuring out what the best change is for you, in my opinion, it's a whole host of factors, many of which you mentioned. I mean, ultimately, you need to figure out in terms of the type of organization you want to go to, is there a certain cachet or prestige level you need, particularly, for example, if you're in private practice and you need to look at the portability of your practice, you need to see if there's alignment in terms of the cachet of the practice and the types of practice areas they're known for and that they have. Um, but also it's feeling out the people that you meet during the course of the interviewing process and making sure that um, there's alignment 
with um, what you're looking for and the vibe you're looking for and what is presented by the opportunities that you are considering. So David, it's hard to believe that our time is up. Do you have any final thoughts for us before we sign off and how can our listeners find you? Final thoughts, um, as you think about your, your goals or resolutions, whatever you want to think about for the next year, um, understand that there's no one hard and fast rule as, or way you have to go about doing it. You know, you and I have different styles and approaches, I think, that we've talked about. They're all valid. Um, look for a way that works for you. And understand if you're accomplishing your goals, then you know that works for you. And, you know, if you find, for example, you're, you're happy in your job, but there's certain skill sets you, you are lacking, I, I think volunteer work is a good way to learn those skill sets that you may not have the opportunity to learn at work, but you can bring it to work. Um, so, you know, that's a way to figure out, do I need to change or don't I need to change? Um, I can, again, I can go on for another hour, but we're out of that hour. How do, <laughs> how do people find me? Um, I'm on LinkedIn at David Sussler and, um, Twitter. I think my Twitter handle is at David Sussler. Very funny. Well, I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for taking the time and for sharing your thoughts about how to plan for a successful 2019. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you've enjoyed our discussion on planning for success in 2019. Please join us next week. I'm your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.